Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pod, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch today. Welcome back, children of the night, to Blood and Serum, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am your host, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the Chronicle, and all around the spooky dude. After being pounced by Emily's jealous mate, Iris was introduced to the rest of Emily's pack, including their leader Lycan and Greywood. Lycanin informed Iris that the street drug Drac has been creating unnatural werewolves and vampires and is linked to the demon Matavix, the dark creature who dwells beneath Montreal and occasionally has possessed Iris herself. He enlists her help in stopping its flow and finding justice for Dominic Looney, the werewolf Iris killed in the Wild Hunt. With Emily beyond her reach, Iris returns to the coterie where an unexpected visitor awaits. Abandon hope. All ye who listen here. Everett and Ridley, you arrive back to the uh, the teaching hospital um, morgue where you guys hang out. Um, and uh, as we mentioned at the end of your last episode, uh, you arrive to find a, an unexpected guest. Uh, he's a man in a, uh, a very fine, very expensive suit. And uh, with a, a diamond tie pin uh, that sort of uh, glints in the in the light, 
Um, and uh, as uh, as you walk in, he is um, pouring um, uh, sort of a, a mug, like as as you can imagine from any kind of like teaching lounge space. There aren't <laughs> good glassware. It's just kind of whatever people have left. Um, so uh, a mug. Um, sort of like a water cup and a pint glass. Um, he's filling with a, a red liquid uh, from a a very fine decanter, uh, the kind that you'd put uh, brandy in. Um, uh, Ridley, as soon as you enter, like this thing, hit, the, the scent of this hits your nose. And, uh, you know, if, if salivating was a thing um, Kindred <laughs> did, you'd be salivating. Uh, this blood smells great. Um, uh, of course, Everett, for you, it, it just smells like, uh, blood, which is kind of gross. Um, but, uh, he turns, uh, to you, he's, um, handsome in kind of a, a classic old Hollywood way. Um, you know, uh, incredibly well coiffed hair, uh, great, great mustache beard thing going on. Um, and, uh, he, uh, he grins broadly, uh, at the two of you as, as you enter, uh, revealing, um, long fanged teeth. Uh, and he, uh, just says, Ah, gentlemen, I forgive the intrusion. I've, uh, my name is Walter Sims. I am uh, Iris's uh, maker and patron. I come to visit. I hope you don't mind. I brought gifts. Uh, this is a very fine vintage, um, truly a, a, a strong uh, Olympian. In fact, I thought perhaps uh, you'd like to indulge since I've barged so inelegantly into your... And he kind of like looks around and says, uh, Morg dorm? Well, nice about a gift, but what are you doing here, if you don't mind me saying? Where's Aris? Oh, yes, that is indeed my question as well. I've not heard from uh, Miss Dunn in quite some time, and uh, I must say I've been uh, rather disappointed with uh, the lack of, of output uh, from uh, the woman herself, uh, but uh, that's that's a matter for her and I to discuss. I was, in fact, hoping she'd be with you. She is not. Well, I mean, you're disappointed in her. So what kind of uh, follow-up does that entail? Like, are you the kind of like, oh, you disappointed me, now I put your head in a box? Or are you like, now I come along and give you a bunch of money? Like, what's the next step in your he, process? He, he laughs. Um, like, it's, it's a deep sort of belly chuckle uh, that, that kind of fills the room. Um, and he kind of just like jangles the decanter um, at you. And he just says, uh, sir, this, this is my next recourse. I, I came bearing fine blood uh, over which we, she and I could discuss the matters at hand. And I understood that she had uh, picked up a coterie uh, of, of fellows. So I thought perhaps uh, you'd like some as well. Well, we'll we discuss our matters in private, but no, I, I'm no cretin. I'm not here to uh, threaten violence or rebukes. I, I'm simply missing the light that Iris Dunn's art brings to the world. Surely, uh, gentlemen, you you look like men of means, if somewhat bloody. Um, you can understand that, uh, you know, if you're a fan of something and that something suddenly ceases to exist, uh, you know, surely you've waited for a good episode of, of televised content at some point and been disappointed when the next episode i believe episode is that yes episode uh comes out uh i merely would like to discuss miss dunn's artistic output with her and uh uh explain some exciting opportunities i've put in the works but well, you surely, know what? there's we'll no be in touch with her soon so why don't you tell us about these opportunities and then we can pass it along uh i would 
much rather explain them in person. There are a lot of details in minutia that I, I, although again, gentlemen, I, I do not doubt your ability. It just seems, a, a, well, quite frankly, a waste of time to explain it twice. At which point, uh, Iris uh, comes through the door holding a jar of blood um, with a uh, Femme First uh, card taped to it um, and a look of, of just frustration and annoyance on her face. Hello. So do you know this guy? Do I fucking kill him? <laughs> Hi, Ridley. Um, no, don't kill him. Hi, Walter. What, ah, what Iris, are you hello. doing here? Uh, I came to speak to you and instead I've, I've met your friends whose names I'm afraid I don't yet know, but uh, they both seem very fond of you. Uh, well, at least one of them does. The other has been doing this strong, silent type thing, but uh, I can tell from the amount of blood dripping off both of them that they've probably had a bit of a night. Um, but Iris, I've come to discuss some matters with you, but uh, please, it seems your, your friends have been looking for you as well. I'll be in the hallway uh, when, when you're ready to discuss matters. Uh, gentlemen, please enjoy the vintage. Iris, I brought this, but it seems you perhaps have brought your own. Um, it's awkward, uh, but, you know, enjoy, I suppose. And it puts the decanter down and sort of nods to all three of you and takes his leave. So I hate to ask this question of someone that you seem somewhat linked to, but why do you say he put his own blood in that fucking thing to try to control me? Or is this just a snack? No, it's likely just a, a nice little snack. He likes uh, he likes the finer things. Nice. All right. Well, do you need any of this? Does, I, I don't know. Does he smell like a piece of shit? He's got to go over and smell the blood to see if the person sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. This... Uh... Just from a hint, it's not like they're not a monster, but I think they're bad enough to fall in your weird uh, gray, gray area. You could also literally just go ask Walter. He is just standing outside. I think he trusts a sniff. He doesn't know this fucking Walter guy. Sure. So do you want some of this? Is it just me? I'm imagining Everett, we know your rules. So this one's out for you, but. Aris, you, you want any? Is this a thing you need? You've got your own jar. How are you doing? What the fuck's going on? What happened to you? Things have gone okay with us. I mean, you might as well pour me some just so that I can drink it while out there with him so he doesn't get upset. But uh, yeah, I mean, lots to tell you about, as I'm sure the blood on your clothes has a lot to say about what you guys have been up to. Oh, yeah. So I think Ridley will just, like, open a cupboard and find, like, I imagine there are beakers of some kind or <laughs> those kind of things. So it'll be a real awkward, like, from a classy decanter into an Erlenmeyer flask. It's like, like test, test tube shots. Yeah, yeah. So he'll pour those out. We can all stand around one of these awkward fucking shitty tables. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, there, there are couches and stuff in the lounge. So you, and, and those awkward mismatched chairs we described a few episodes ago. So, yeah, you, you can all get comfortable. Um, and um, I think... Uh, uh, Ridley and Everett, you get a chance to kind of like change out of the gear yeah, Everett, from from the money pit. Everett kind of washes up. Yeah, cool. So um, following that, uh, you do have um, yeah. So you, you kind of get cleaned up, and then you have a few minutes to catch each other up on what you've been up to. Now, uh, for those of you watching and listening uh, at home, because of the way we've recorded the past few episodes, uh, no one on this show aside from me knows what the other ones were up to during this time. So. You're you're hearing this in real time. <laughs> there is no art like artifice here. It's literally time to get caught up. Tom, just a quick question no. about Ridley because he'd also clean up. Is is he starting to heal now? Is it like overnight he goes back to normal with his magic healing? Like, what's the deal? Because he did his blood and vial. Um, 
Yeah, you're you're feeling uh, hardier in hail. Um, like the the night is almost spent, um, so you will be be sleeping. You'll see the full effects when you wake up tomorrow. Great uh, tomorrow night. But yeah, I mean, I also assume you're not going to try and uh, assault the. No, no, no. I think tonight. he'll just stay shirtless then because I think he'll be interested in watching himself heal up. But other than that, so he's just in like tidy whiteies uh, while they have this conversation around a table. Cool. All right. So what happened with you? I'm way more interested in your story than I am in ours. Uh, okay. Well, Emily and I first off went to go try and figure out what the fuck happened with Iggy because he just keeps causing problems for all of us um so we kind of tracked him down to an apartment but i ended up getting a phone call from this guy named uh cooper board calls himself a marshal um he uh he's apparently part of the second inquisition which i think might be those motherfuckers we encountered at uh at the bar yeah, when you yeah, turned into yeah, a demon and about right. threw up into their mouth until they died. Yeah, so he kind of knows that you guys are vampires. That's okay. kind of the main thing about the Inquisition, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't seem to know if I'm one yet. Now that is interesting. That's convenient. He, he basically called me to warn me about you slash... He was also trying to suss out whether I would uh, help bring you guys down. And okay, what did you say? I, I told him to fuck off and to never call me again. <laughs> and we, I don't know how he got our number. Um, Emily destroyed the, the phone. Oh, fuck, okay. Um, but he seems could... very well connected and able to find me at all, at all times. Do you think you could reach out if we wanted you to? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Anything else happen? Um, yeah. So how's Emily? Tom, Thomas, what was there anything else important from E's apartment that I, I'm forgetting? Um, Just that he was peddling Drac. Peddling Drac and had been missing, uh, had not been back to his, his apartment in a while. Yeah. And like he hasn't like someone has been supplying it to him. He's not normally Iggy pays for his drugs and sells them like a regular dealer. Someone's his all Iggy like keeps track of his money and nothing in his books show him ever spending money on buying supply. So someone is really trying to get that shit out there. Um, um you also had information kind of collectively around uh, Iggy's last known whereabouts. Uh, there was some suggestion that the, uh, the orphans may have been supplying, supplying him with the drag. Right. Um, okay. So like so double that, fuck the orphans then. Yeah. And then, um, so you guys kind of know, I'm sure you've smelt it, that Emily is kind of like, different she's a werewolf right yeah 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 so she she wanted me to go meet her pack her pack yeah was that like kind of what we got going on here but for werewolves kind of but like if it's at all possible more toxic and neurotic oh jesus to be clear did you say neurotic or erotic 
both, I guess. Oh, so she's got like a fat club. Well, I mean, we'll get into this later, but she's kind of in an abusive relationship, but that, but that's like kind of not necessarily important to anyone, but you know, me. Well, I mean, I, I don't so- think I don't think we lack that for her either. <laughs> no, but here's the fun thing: I had these made, and he reaches into the back of his underwear and takes out his silver combat claws. He's like, "I think now will work on fucking wolves as well as vampires." You had those in your underwear. Well, I'm not going to fucking leave them lying about. You can't if you leave the gun in the chair, you fucking die. Pulp Fiction. Anyway, um, so yeah, I kind of met this uh, she wolf who claims to be Emily's mate, but um, it just kind of seems like this 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 woman has kind of just declared Emily hers, and Emily just doesn't really know how to not be with her it's weird anyway is, is that a uh sort of a personality feature of emily's or is that just a feature of being a werewolf i think it's a it's feature just... i think it's like a hierarchy of werewolves that like they say that they like instantly know if they're meant for someone but it just seems like this woman is declaring it and it's not really a reciprocal thing like i think it should be okay right, does emily right. have the ability to like call this lady and ask for a favor and shit Probably. Okay. I'm just logging things away that might be useful. Continue. Yeah. So I also had a meeting with their alpha. So basically their leader. And they're like a a pretty sizable band of 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 werewolves. Some of them right. are really awesome and really excited about vampires. They were quite pleasant and not aggressive at all, except for that one weird woman. But they seem pretty open to us slash me um, now, because of it, Emily. Does that mean that they're welcoming of you even though they know you killed a werewolf or are they welcoming to you and they don't know that? They don't know that. Right. All right. So we got to keep that under our hats most likely. So uh, their, their leader is called Lacanon Greywood. Okay. Uh, he's a big burly mountain man who uh, got like a harem of ladies, um, but very, very open-minded um, uh, to an extent. He he has an agenda, obviously, but um, who doesn't? Apparently, he's part of the Tom. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, the red, a group called the Red Section. Uh, no, sorry. He, um, oh, the SWAT guys who came for you uh, were part of a group called Red Section. Right. So he told me that the people that came (laughs) to my apartment and that Iggy brought were called the Red Section. And they're kind of a mercenary group of like creatures like us. Vampire mercs or mercenaries of all Of all sorts. So they're a group of like race, werewolves. Us. Wraiths, excuse me. That's what he said. Did is that something Brother. that's like new? <laughs> is that I mean it's all new to me. I just can't believe how long the laundry list of monsters is. I just I assume if, I just assume when someone tells me tells me something exists, I should have known already. I think at this point we should just assume every monster we can imagine exists, and we'll be surprised if it don't. 
dum-dums and dice would like to welcome you to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and I'm releasing my report on the Valentine Heresy. It's an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. Join Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine and Laura Elizabeth and Tyler Hewitt as Hivebred siblings Lyric and Alto as this unlikely trio try to save the Emperor from a cabal of mysterious enemies in a series created by games master Tom McGee. Can these unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? Find out in the first episode of Warhammer 40,000 The Valentine Heresy. Available now. Basically, what happened, Tom? Sorry, my baby oh, brain is making me foggy. The Drac makes unclanned werewolves. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it. Uh, they've been seeing unclanned werewolves um, spring up, uh, similar to uh, Emily. Um, so, uh, in the same way, he equated it to um, what you've been seeing with the children of Batista, um, which is just kind of seemingly out of step with the, the natural way these sorts of things are created. Um, and so they've been, essentially, they're almost running a parallel track to the investigation you've been running, which is for them, they're seeing like sudden werewolves who have no idea what they are. Have I mean, similar to Emily's situation at the hospital, like just going completely feral and killing things out of nowhere, which is like obviously a no-no. Um, so uh, they are... Uh, also uh seeking an, an end to the drug but yes it's it tracks with what you've seen from the vampiric side of things um and uh he also alluded to the fact that uh th- there's no precedent for this and it doesn't really make sense uh alchemically this this shouldn't be possible there's there's some ingredient or some element uh that is allowing this this sort of weird unnatural transformation to occur that they are um they're actively seeking, but um, he did. And I, Iris, you'd be explaining all this, of course. But um, uh, like Hannon is, uh, <laughs> he has a chemistry degree, despite kind of living in the woods uh, as a giant, like horny Viking man. Um, so he's been analyzing it and is is doing tests. But you can kind of fold that into your collection of people with skills that you can use. Um, so he's, he's made some good progress on that. So if there's anything else of that ilk that you need sort of tested or thought about that, you don't want to go through the DeSantis network for he's, he's an option. Yeah. So also he seems to know about, um, I told you guys about that, like demon thing that kind of talked to me when I kind of went feral, crazy change thing. You got big, you threw a car at some people, you threw up in people's mouths and they died. It was great. Yeah. So apparently he's a pretty awful demon that the werewolves have been trying to get rid of. Congratulations on catching him. Yeah. Do they know that he can drive you like a car? Well, apparently they can smell it on people. So he kind of could smell it on me and on Emily because apparently when you take Drac, that's when he kind of, he's able to kind of take over. And I kind of managed to sidestep the fact that I actively was using him and talking to him. Um, But apparently that cult in the 
uh, the in the bar. Club. Yeah, in the, the nightclub. They, uh, they were trying to bring him into being, which is exactly what the werewolves are trying to stop. And he, uh, it's kind of one of the reasons why they don't like Kindred is apparently Kindred keep trying to bring this, this guy around. I don't okay. know his deal. I don't know why they hate him. Just know that uh, he's pretty angry about it. Um, so I kind of managed to quell him by telling him like it was an accident and I didn't know I was doing it, but managed to like stop the cult from bringing him into life. Okay, so he doesn't know that you're like pseudo-possessed? No. Okay, that's good. Um, but he does have a couple requests. He wants us to uh, help him get info on Drac, what it's made of, and the plans that the red section have for you know distributing and making it what their end game is um and they'll he's willing to have his clan team up with us and help us in whatever way he can with the inquisition and with the drag like situation maybe sieging a backer compound you know a bar full of yeah. vampire yeah for sure but he also um here's the kicker he wants information on who killed uh dominic looney huh um boy all of the people that we kill (laughs) sure bring a lot of curious folks around don't they now i hate to sound like i'm a bit of a sociopath but who the fuck was dominic looney again really she was the uh the werewolf that uh was uh i believe had her heart Ripped out. Oh by yeah, the one Iris. that we. Um, yeah. Fuck. All right. Well, we can pin that on someone, I'm sure. So, okay, we got to sort that out. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of wants proof and any info we can find on who I mean, I'll, killed her. All that well, we passed along nothing. <laughs> I have a feeling that's not going to be an option. Really? Yeah, I believe we were looking to. Uh, Pin the death of one doctor's skull on the orphans. Uh, what's one more murder on them, huh? Well, I mean, yeah, I got an idea there too. So we got some options, which is good. The problem is if they get in quick enough to take him alive, and they'll be like, "Who the fuck is Dominic Looney?" And then it could cause more problems than it's worth. We need, we need to fucking nail down a proof first. We got to put in, you know, lock in the fix. But I like where you're thinking. I like this new crooked Everett. We we've sort of had some bonding don't, moments ourselves because he committed some. Brutally violent homicides, and then we kind of found our own little fellowship in kind of policing Montreal makes sense to us. So uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. So Everett was trying to do research and find Mr. Victims, then he ended up just kind of brutally murdering a selection of people and brought me a bag full of guts. It was adorable, clearly not playing to his strengths. Then we had to go meet someone because, oh, because there's that copper that we knew, uh, the one that you ate with a car. (laughs) Turned out to be Everett's friend, which is kind of fucked up. So we had to go visit her. Turns out my mum's been kidnapped and I'm being forced to work for someone or to kill her. So that's kind of fucking shit. And I don't have a way out of it currently, other than I know she's probably somewhere in like Alberta-ish. So that's fucked. Uh, And i got to deal with that. Uh, And then uh, Justin St. James is running around fucking murdering vampires and Everett made another vampire friend who's kind of teaming up with her. Uh, and then we had to, uh, I mean, we broke into an hospital to find out more information and shit. And then we had, uh, we went to scalp out a bar 
And uh, we may have gone into business with a payday loan uh, business that will give us some information about the orphans. And then we fucking ate some people, so I should be ill tomorrow. Uh, and every eight and a vampire, so he's not so fucking hungry. Fucking it still looks pretty, pretty ragged, though. He's still got a big hole in his forehead from where he was shot in the head. Um, yeah, and he's got scarring all over his back from being shot in the back with a shotgun. Yeah, none of us had the okay. best fucking time with it, but it wasn't the worst time, you know? And I feel like overnight we'll be feeling a little better and then we just need to lock down the fire. But you got fucking walk to Sims outside. Do we like him? Did you want to be a vampire or is he just a piece of shit? Uh, no, didn't didn't really want to be a vampire. It just kind of uh, happened. But um... Um, Iris, uh, I don't know, Miles, if, if you're doing this consciously or uh, like whether this is a character choice or just a, we recorded that episode a billion years ago. Um, are you purposefully uh, leaving out your uh, terminal illness? Yeah. Okay. So can you roll me a... Um, I'm going to need subterfuge and composure, please. Mm. <clears throat> this is to see how, how convincing you are in the way you're framing how you became a vampire, which I think is a very Iris thing to do, which is just leave out a couple of key details in order to make it seem more (laughs) in your favor. Three successes. Okay. Um, Everett, I assume you would, well, I don't know as, as a detective, would you, how much scrutiny would you have for what Iris is telling you right now? Probably not that much, honestly. Okay. So I think then we'll say that you, we won't have you roll Ridley think given that you're kind of a, a consistent paranoia based gentleman, you would likely be in, you'd have your radar on at least for this, right? I don't think Rid- Ridley could turn his radar off. Yeah. yeah I think he's right. just that guy who trusts his gut on these kind of so things. So I think then from you, this is probably um, composure and I'd say composure and subterfuge. Actually, let's, let's just make it a straight opposed role. Three successes. Um, all right. Uh, you feel like uh, Iris is leaving details out, but you also aren't sure whether you should push this because ultimately, like, the most important thing for you is to figure out whether Walter Sims is friend or foe, but you do log that you're not getting the whole story from Iris right now. Let me rephrase my question. Uh, do you want me to kill the man in the hallway? No, he's harmless. Okay, that's good to know. Is he going to be useful, or is he just kind of a nuisance that you got a guy out and say, like, I, I don't know, I love you, Dad, bye, fuck off? <sighs> I don't know. He because Can we look he forward was... to more visits every time he's pining for the latest Iris well, Dunn novel? Well, I also don't is... like that he found us. Yeah. The problem is that he made me so that I could keep writing beautiful works, but... For like forever, but in doing so, kind of took away my ability. Did he not? And know he doesn't that was... know that. He doesn't know that yet. Did he not even know that was a fucking thing? Apparently, I, I would assume not. Okay, so you're like a disappointing child to an old maniac. Okay, <laughs> it's accurate. Ah. Uh... Okay, do we need to like write a poem or something for him? I feel like between the three of us, we could do it. 
I'm not a writer. I, I, I don't think that's a good I mean, idea. I think I'll just keep slogging with along with Emily. But thank you for the offer. Very kind. I just meant if you needed something to bring him in the hallway. I'm not saying I'm going to write your next fucking book. I don't fucking well, read. I can't I write. Mean, I mean, worst case, I can just hire some interns because I am who I am. And they that's can fair. just write it for me. And they can just ghost write it for me. I, I the R.L. Stein approach. <laughs> I feel like the only question I have left is, why do you have a jar of blood and what does it have to do with femme first oh you can read i, I recognize the picture symbol because it was when we did the case um so iris has uh, picture symbols it's just knowing the alphabet you're there man you can do it no i don't understand fucking this is all fucking jumbledy jumble that's a circle on top of a little feminine thing i fucking know that one um iris you of course recognize uh the handwriting and the gift as uh, yeah. the handiwork of janice Smythe, who of course is on this campus as uh, I think you all realized off air <laughs> immediately after deciding on the university. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember if I told you, but um, when we were here for the um, Gordon Stevenson um, case, thing, um, fiasco, I was really hungry. <laughs> I was really hungry. And there was this fangirl who um, just wanted to do anything I wanted uh, to ask her to do. She just, uh, pretty obsessed and i am may have taken a snack and i think she might be obsessed slash connected and um connected hers she seemed to now know where i am uh we are and uh left this jar of her own blood for me well look i say this not as an endorsement but mainly just as an observation of the solutions we've come up with in the past. No, everyone, we're not going to kill her. Killed. We're not going to kill her. Stop suggesting it. I don't want to hear it. We can't just kill people because they like Iris. Too Everett, many people Everett like Iris. looks at Ridley like, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, just the betrayal uh, in his <laughs> eyes. Um, and then kind of resumes like the serious conversation with Iris. Uh, this is... This kind of thing has come to us pretty naturally and quickly. Why is there a reason you've chosen not to kill her? Well, well, she hasn't really shown up at all until just now. So she uh, hasn't really. She was delivering blood to your condo a while back. That was some of your earliest snacks. Did uh... But they were always like warm and kind of gross by the time they got to. I mean, other than <laughs> delivering me blood, she uh, hasn't really done anything or interfered at all. All right. So does Emily, like, need an assistant or something? Do you think that's a good idea? Well, usually I think crazy people who can identify where we are are better kept, shall we say, within the tent uh, instead of outside of it where I can get kidnapped and used. Well, what, do we all collectively need an assistant? Because I feel like she might just do whatever I tell her to. So if we want someone to, like, be our errand girl. I mean, I've kind of already got my own cab company and I've got my own gang. But you know who doesn't have anything? Have you hey, met Everett. my friend Everett, who seems to be uh, questioning whether or not we should keep her alive? But I think... So you want to give, give her to him? No, no, I was going to say, but I think knowing him... He doesn't want her to die either. He likes people being alive. So we could give her to him. He could have his own little police assistant, shall we say, a Watson to his Sherlock. I've seen those Robert Downey Jr. movies. Uh, 
What if he's got an assistant? Crazy woman blood bag. Yeah, you're not selling me on it. I'm I'm not interested. Thank you, though. Okay, what if we kill her? Just joking, just joking. <laughs> well, why don't we just, like, I'll have a conversation with her. If she's psycho, then maybe we'll kill her. If she seems to want to help, then... This is a rare thing, but I kind of think her stalking you is your fault, which means I don't think we can kill her for it because she liked you and then you revealed you're a vampire and now she wants to be part of the old vampire thing. That doesn't meet my code. So unfortunately, I'm team. She's got to fucking live. It's a strange twist of events. She's not a criminal. She doesn't do bad things to anyone. The only thing she wants to do is fucking feed you. I really need to see some fucking worse behavior. So then why do, we, why do we need to bring her in? If all she's doing is delivering me blood, like, why don't we just let that continue? His main concern is that if she gets abducted, she can be used to find you. That kind of thing. She can be exploited because she's she's just someone who's obsessed with you. So also, she has might, a lot of information on you. We might need to get her into treatment or something because this kind of behavior escalates into someone you know scary. Because the options, you know, what you hear these stories of like I broke into the celebrity's house with a knife and tried to get him to marry me. That's going to be like one of the eventual steps on this ladder. I, I honestly like don't know what you guys want because either this we is, take care, either we take care of her or we bring her in close, both of which are shitty options. This is a completely surreal conversation. I agree. <laughs> why don't we, why don't we sleep on it at the very least? Um, Ridley, um, a uh, a very old burner phone that is one of the few that has managed to survive your various trials and tribulations. It's like an old Nokia, like one of those tanks. Um, it begins to buzz and you'd actually forgotten you had this one. Uh, it's like in a, a pile of, of like the various things that you've barely, that have barely made it through. Um, it starts to, to buzz and, and rumble uh, on a, a nearby table. Uh, yeah. It would be in his underwear if he thought it had any value, but you've long since assumed it didn't. Yeah. To, to the left of the old torn up outfit is my like pile of new ones that I've had delivered to the hospital. But yeah, I'll go and see. Hold on. Just a second. Sorry about this. Hello. Um, well, Ridley answers the phone. Um, Iris, you feel like it's having had this surreal debate where. <laughs> The apparent moral center is Ridley, the Riddler beef. Um, you realize it might be time to go deal with Walter as uh, keeping him waiting seems a a, uh, a reasonable but also bold choice. And you've had enough shit hit the fan in the past few days that uh, adding any more complications to your plate right now seems um, unwise and frustrating. There's Enough going on with, um, you know, the uh, the weird uh, uh, lupine and uh, vampiric love triangle you find yourself in, your best friend being stuck in a toxic relationship, your stalker maybe becoming part of the team, question mark, uh, let alone the assault on the biker bar that you've been ordered to make. Um, so uh, you kind of look to Everett and the two of you share a what the fuck glance um, that sort of stands almost as a promise to talk more about this because this is the first time Ridley has ever actively advocated not to kill someone and it's strange um, but uh, you grab your <laughs> Erdemeyer flask and head to the hallway um, 
Everett, you have a, a rare moment of uh, of, of solitude. Uh, Iris heading to the hall, uh, Ridley heading to his phone. What do you do? Uh, I think I'm going to go to bed before I get drawn into any more foolishness. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Start fresh tomorrow night, you know? Just <laughs> Great. Um, beat up or a little kind of sore from scuffling around with a, a vampire biker uh he, he in the moment his eagerness to kill you know was there but after the fact kind of back to like stone cold sober everett he's he's not feeling good about himself or anything ever so he, he <laughs> climbs into a climbs into one of the i don't know what you call those things but like yeah, the sliding you, slide i think we'll even say like you're so tired and just kind of done with it that you just open yeah. it uh, and, um, you, uh, you start to crawl inside, uh, at which point, uh, you feel hands, uh, grab your lapels and pull, uh, the door slams shut behind you in the, the petulant way that a teenager would slam their door, uh, when they're, they're going to bed. Uh, and you smell the, the rot of, uh, of a corpse, um, who looks you dead in the eyes um, with a slightly uh, dislocated jaw and uh, patchy pallid skin and says, okay, don't freak out. Too late. Uh, okay, no, no, no. Shh, shh, shh. And he just stuffs his hand in your mouth. And I am, I am throttling his neck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as you do so, he just says, no, it, it, it's me. It's me. It's Dr. Skull. And I'll loosen my grip and expect to have the hand withdrawn from my mouth. He waits a second to make sure you're not going to scream and uh, then slowly drags out your teeth, um, just cutting deep trenches into the hand. Um, And then like, and you guys are like face to face in this tiny little box. Um, And with fetid breath, he just sighs and says, Oh boy, do I have a story to tell you. Also, hi. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Megan Miles at Maggie Miles on Twitter, and storyteller Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and all of Dum Dums and Dice's logos are by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai angle and all our ads use the tracks no control in chiefs by jazzar that's j-a-h-z-z-a-r all of their music is available on freemusicarchive.org when it comes to dumb dumbs and dice you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com our twitter and instagram are at dumdumdice and on facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice we've also got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice and most importantly you can join our patreon of darkness at patreon.com slash dumdumdice that's d-u-m-b d-u-m-b d-i-c-e sleep well children of the night <laughs> dum dums and dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our patreon at this time christian manicola long long the half blind prophet james quayar charles grams Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V. 
Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Christian Mendez, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Great Dane, Acrix, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.